Hello and welcome to Murder in the Boardroom. I'm Helen Saxton and I'll be bringing you an eclectic mix of episodes, all connected in some way with my business of delivering unique team building experiences through interactive murder mystery challenges. I'll be covering a range of subjects, sometimes my thoughts on a particular personal experience, sometimes a nostalgic look back at my childhood influences and of course some current advice and comment on how to get the best out of your team. The theme of the murder mystery will always be present, as you will discover. This week, episode three, Murder in the Dark. I've often been heard to announce that I love a good murder, sometimes to strange looks from people who don't know me well. It's a question I've been thinking about a lot recently. Where did this lifelong interest in all things murderous begin? Does it stem from the games of Murder in the Dark I played as a child? This podcast and ones that follow will see me reminiscing about factors and influences which steered me towards a career in writing to entertain others with fake murder. So first things first, I'd like to stress I don't like the idea of actually murdering someone. I do draw the line at that. At a recent speed networking event, one of my fellow networkers, whose first language was not English, hence the confusion, looked at me in horror as I tried to explain my business. Uh, We pretend to murder people and then try and work out who's guilty? For fun? She really did seem to think that I was some sort of assassin, judging by the look of terror and bewilderment on her face. Why would you do that for fun? And there then followed the most awkward two minutes of my career, ever. So while I might not be an actual murderer, I do absolutely love a whodunit. I love meeting all of the characters, anticipating the murder, weighing up all of the subtle relationships and motives, and most of all, I adore the denouement the final tying together of all of those little strings of information that have been fed to me from the very beginning. It all seems so obvious after the event, but in the run-up to it, the apprehension is sometimes unbearable, if it's a good one, obviously. An early memory is of the BBC adaptation of a Lord Peter Whimsey mystery and a vague recollection that it involved a body on a beach. A quick internet search told me I was remembering Have His Carcass, aired in April 1987, so I would have been just 14. Dramatised by Rosemary Ann Sisson from Dorothy L. Sayers' novel, written in 1932. I do remember that I was in a frenzy of anticipation waiting for the final episode, and the twist that would finally explain everything. I won't spoil it now, but I'll give you a clue. It was something to do with haemophilia. The original series of the epic Broadchurch had much the same effect on me, although I confess I did guess who done it within the first episode. Although I prefer to be kept in suspense until the very end, it did confirm to me that I'm in the right job. I do believe there is a knack to working out a good mystery, but I never wanted to be an actual police officer. That would have been all too real. Much better to discover clues and unmask the villain to gasps of shock and approval from onlookers in a, let's face it, completely unrealistic representation of the real, darker world of murder. So this brings me to my first practical effort in sleuthing, exhaustive games of murder in the dark at my grandma's house, surrounded by a gaggle of cousins, all excited because we genuinely look forward to seeing each other at insert family get-together here. A quick search of the web found me some rules. The internet did not exist when I was nine, so I'm unsure where our rules came from. One of my older, more knowledgeable cousins, I'm sure. But here's an abridged version. The player who has been dealt the ace is the murderer. The player who has been dealt the king is the police officer players should keep their cards a secret so that no one knows who the murderer and the policeman are. Turn out the lights in the room. Players should now walk carefully around amongst each other. The murderer will tap other players on the shoulder, silently killing them one by one. I just love this description included in the instructions for a child's game, silently killing them one by one. 
the murderer should try and kill as many players as possible before the lights go on. Tapped players can fall down and make dramatic dying noises if they want to. The more drama, the more fun it is. Rest assured that I made the most of this rule whenever I was killed, drama queen that I am. If players come across someone who has been murdered, they scream out, Murder in the dark! Now the policeman has to figure out who the murderer is from the players still left alive. If they guess the murderer correctly, they win the game. The murderer should reveal themselves at the end of the game by showing the ace card. Well, we didn't have the luxury of a pack of cards. We used the tried and tested technique of writing detective, murderer and suspect on bits of paper and picking them out of grandma's mixing bowl. There were sometimes only four of us, which was a bit of a stretch. Once one guest was dead, that was it. Pretty much game over. But what I remember was the excitement and tension when the lights went out. Especially, I remember my infamous response when asked by my intrepid cousin, and what were you doing when the murder was committed? Of, oh nothing, just a spot of murdering. I was always cut out to be the detective, not the criminal. I am just too honest, to be honest. I hope you enjoyed listening. For more information, visit www.charadery.co.uk or find us on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook. Written and produced by me, Helen Saxton of Charadery, with music from www.purple-planet.com.